0: Welcome to North Liberty Library's Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast, a series of universal talks gently guided by open hearts and open minds. Listen to ignite the light in you and to appreciate the light in others. Hello, I'm Kelly with North Liberty Library, and I thank you for joining us today on Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast. You can also catch Love, Light, and Lit on Facebook Live every Monday at 12 noon Central Time. Be sure to follow North Liberty Library on Facebook to get notifications. The last time we spoke with today's guest, Avana Sankofa Emotep, it was January of 2022. Then she was launching the Sankofa Literary Academy, a Des Moines-based learning center where, according to her website, Community Meets Culture, and History Meets Legacy. In the 14 months since our last conversation, Abana has not only launched the center, but has been on a book tour with stops, including our very own North Liberty Library. As a reminder, Abana is the director of the Sankofa Literary and Empowerment Group, which creates spaces for lifelong learning centering the literature and scholarship of Black authors. An active advocate for education, justice, and humanitarianism, Abana serves on several boards of directors, presents at human rights convenings, and leads a literary incubator for emerging readers. Abana is a TEDx speaker, international relations major at drake university and the author of omari's big tree and the mighty jembe today she's going to chat with us about her experiences over the past year and what this educational adventure has taught her about the joy of learning and what it takes to create a village right here in iowa welcome abena thanks for joining us today Hi, Kelly. It's so great to be back.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's great to have you on. I always enjoy having conversations with you on and off air. Uh, So for folks who may have missed our conversation in 2022 and audience quick, FYI, the link is in the show notes. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, can you kind of recap what your initial goal was for the Sankofa uh, Literary Academy?
1: Absolutely. So initially um, I set out to have a positive impact on student achievement on student achievement. Um, the goal was to assist elementary age students to reach the district's literacy goals. You know, during the pandemic, literacy rates fell dramatically during that time. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, statewide. Between 2019 and 2020, the combined literacy rate for kindergarten through third grade dropped from 68% to 58%. And then it was only last year when we saw it rise slightly back to 61%. And that's statewide. But then looking in the geographical area where I live, in the Des Moines area, um, there were only 48% of third graders who were reading at grade level Mm, that's so So, low less than half less than half and then if you if you zone in zoom in a little bit more 65 percent of black boys in the des moines public school district in third grade were reading under third grade level Mm. so our goal was to step in as a supplement to the learning that's happening in the classroom and provide some additional supports for those students in the form of Sankofa Literary Academy after school program.
0: Yeah. And such a goal that it was because when you're living in, and we'll be frank, Iowa is a predominantly white state area wide. And that's why it was so important for you to provide the statistic statewide and then funnel down specifically to black boys and what that literacy rate looks like pre and post COVID. And I mean, we're still kind of in COVID, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But once kiddos started going back to school, that slow incline of getting back to that literacy rate, help was needed. So what was the initial plan for you when you realized that this is happening? What were some of the first action steps that you took to get the literary academy off the ground?
1: Well, some of the first action steps I took, that's a great question, Kelly, because it was really important to me to focus on the students who are scoring the lowest. So often there are interventions at different levels for emerging readers, as I like to call them. There are different levels of intervention. And I realized that there was a huge gap for the students who are scoring the lowest. So those were the students that we wanted to make sure to focus our attention on. And then not only that, but we wanted to provide them also with culturally competent people as far as our staffing is concerned so that they can see not only are there books and resources that accurately represent your identity, your culture, your family? But there are people who look like you who support you, and we're interested in your success as well. So those are some of the immediate um, things that that came to my attention that that was probably that would probably be something that the kids would need right away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's so great, you know, with the education and the experience that you were able to pinpoint exactly where to start with such a huge undertaking. Did you find that you had other help? Were you able to get partnerships in the community to assist with with this task?
1: Well, this is the thing. We didn't want to go big. We wanted to focus in on 12 students Mm -hmm. at one school. And so we focused in on those twelve students who were struggling the most in third and fourth grade, and I coalesced a small team of three so that we could focus in and make sure that these children, these students, got the attention they needed. Did I reach out to other organizations and build partnerships right away? No, I did not, um, because I wanted to make sure that this is that that the literary academy is about the students, not about community, people necessarily seeking credit or photo ops, that's just not the way we wanted to structure this program. It's truly about the success of the students. But later, once we got into our routine and we understood the needs of the students, then we were able to bring in people like um, the Dean of John D. Bright College from Drake University and have him uh, give a presentation and read to the students so they could see that college could possibly be in their future. We brought in the authors um, of color, uh, of diverse backgrounds so that the children could see another person that looks like them. Fitness coaches from across the Midwest, we got them involved in outdoor activities. So yeah, we were slowly, we slowly built partnerships with the intention of inspiring the students to look forward. You know, you're in third and fourth grade now, but there's a bright future ahead of you. And these are the people who you could either aspire to be like, or you can look for them down the road and they'll be willing to support you as well.
0: Right. So it wasn't just the immediate need, but also those long-term goals that you kept in mind when you initially began working with the academy and establishing sure. it, absolutely. So you established Sankofa Literary Academy, and then you also started writing and you published a children's book. We mentioned it at the top, Tell us, since the last time we talked 14 months ago, how has this past year been for you? I mean, I feel like between the Academy and the book, you have been unstoppable. I've seen you on LinkedIn. You know I love me some LinkedIn. I've seen you on LinkedIn, and I feel like every time I look up, you're speaking at an event or you're being featured on a panel. You've just been really going full speed
1: ahead with this. How has this past year been for you? It's been really incredible, and I tell you what, Kelly, I was talking to a colleague of mine, just casually, we met in the hallway, and we determined that at this point in our social climate and with the needs and challenges that are before us as communities, we cannot afford to do anything less we all have to do a little here and a little there until we reach our larger goal. So the last 14 months have looked like graduating the first cohort of 12 student scholars from Sankofa Literary Academy, which was Absolutely beautiful to have all 12 of those students show 100% improvement in their test scores at the wow. end of the school year, which was higher than they'd scored all year long. That Amazing. Gratifying. Thank you.
0: And just like you said, you started with these 12 students and that was your beginning and they are now 100% improved. That is remarkable in 14 months, less than 14 months, because there was the planning that went into it and
1: wow, amazing. Honestly, I was a little surprised. (laughs) We saw every single student improve in their FAST test. And the FAST test is formative assessment system for teachers that is a standard in many states and in many districts to monitor the progress in literacy for elementary age students in particular. And some districts use it for K through 12. Some districts use it for K through 5. And so based on those test results, all 12 of our student scholars in the program improved and scored higher than they did at the end of the school year than they had all year long. So we count that as a definite something to hang our hat on. But um, it is also a way to say, okay, we saw success here. How can we continue to encourage these students as they move on in their elementary careers and further to continue and perpetuate that love of reading? So we're working on that. We've also added a creative writing course for middle schoolers. We're building that out right now and hope to be piloting that for the summer. What else can I share? Oh, we've moved and secured a headquarters in downtown Des Moines because we were solely operating at the district building. And that provides, you know, some ease for families to have their students involved. But we also needed to have an independent space so, that allows us to think about summer programming and expanding our offering. So, really happy about that.
0: I'm just kind of going through this, and I guess with the audience, hopefully you can follow along with this because I personally have seen this growth. So, it's just so amazing that you went from recognizing this issue right here in our own community to establishing a headquarters in downtown Des Moines and graduating 12 young men from your academy. Amazing. What has been your biggest lesson from all this, from founding the Literary Academy? What has been your biggest lesson, your biggest takeaway, the thing that you didn't know until you were in the thing? I always like to say that is the thing you didn't know until you were in the thing. What was your biggest lesson, your biggest takeaway from this entire experience?
1: Well, I've learned so much, to be honest. I've learned so much. And I want to rewind just a little bit and say that we graduated 12 scholars, six of whom were boys and six were girls, because I want to give a shout out to those girls. They work so yes. hard. Yes, <laughs> 12 young men and young women. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is that I, as a founder of this program, I'm not the only knowledge holder that comes to the table. The children themselves, the students, they come to the table with capacity to express themselves. And they know what they like to read. They know the kinds of things that interest them. They come to the table, not only as students, but they come as stakeholders themselves. And then I've also learned to be a better listener, because not only are we working with these individual students, but by default, we're working with their families. So we've learned that... And I say we because my team is right there with me. You know, we work together. We've learned to galvanize the family around the ideas of literacy and what it looks like to keep books in the house and let your kids see you reading, too. Yeah.
0: And that makes me want to circle back to another question about the families and parents that you engaged for this process. What has that connection been like? We always hear about educators connecting with the students themselves. What has the connection with the families and loved ones been like? Was there any apprehension with their children entering this program? Were they overjoyed? Was it a mix of both? What was that experience like with the families?
1: Well, it's pretty interesting because for our first cohort, we were at an elementary school that had a selection of different after-school activities that students could be involved in. So parents at this school were used to their children being a part of something after school. So that wasn't a surprise that they'd be in a program. But to learn that our program is different than the others by way of, you know, it's not predominantly recreational, although there was recreation involved in the literacy component, you know, it's not predominantly sports related. It wasn't predominantly about, you know, painting or games or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but there was literacy. And once the kids got in and really showed excitement, parents were like, what are you doing in this program that my kids actually want to show up and read? I think it caught them by surprise how interested their students were in staying We try our best to be comprehensive. So yes, there are heavy hors (laughs) d'oeuvres. So (laughs) the after-school program, we have leniency and leisure just as much as we do fun activities around representative reading. So it was really nice to see parents and grandparents' eyes light up when they saw their student graduating. That was the pinnacle for a lot of them to understand, yeah, your child is intelligent.
0: Yeah, because it's, very often and You know, this is not a knock against any school systems or any educational interactions that these parents may or may not have had. So often, especially Black children, aren't really getting those messages from traditional education. They aren't getting the messages that, yes, you are capable, you are intelligent, you can do this. Did you feel that you kind of filled that void a bit with some of the students that you were there to encourage them to read and let them know that that already resided within themselves?
1: Yeah, I do feel that way. And it's really interesting because some of the tests, even the language that are used on some of the tests can betray a child's confidence. For instance, Mm -hmm. one test that I looked through asked the question is, what did Timmy hide behind the sofa? Which it seems pretty straightforward. But if you come from a cultural environment that uses the word couch, And maybe instead of behind the couch, maybe it's underneath the couch. Mm -hmm. Then you may not do well on that particular question because the verbiage is different than what you're used to in your cultural environment. Yeah. So there are things like that, little nuances that can have really dramatic results for our students that I think having a culturally competent, person involved, they can make those distinctions and say, hey, this child doesn't have to fail because the verbiage is not something they're used to. They can succeed if we make the right adjustments. That is great.
0: So what is next for you in the academy? And also, what's next with your book writing, even before we get back into what's going on with the academy? Because I feel like we've talked so much about that. And that's what we're here to talk about. I want to talk a bit more about your book, Omari's Big Tree and the Mighty Djembe. Am I saying that? Correctly. Close, Jim Bay. Tell me about this book. What inspired it? And when you found the time to write this with everything you were doing with the academy?
1: Well, I actually started the book process two years ago during the pandemic. A lot of things culminated for me. You have the pandemic where all of us were sitting at home and we had time to think. I was one of those people. And then we also had in Iowa, in the Midwest, we had a derecho that wiped out a number of trees and communities and really devastated a lot of our communities. So the climate change inspired me as well as working with these amazing student scholars. So I decided they are interested in reading. I want to write something that they'd like to read. So I wrote a story about a little boy who finds his true gift. He experiences a derecho that massive storm and is able to, throughout that process, find his true gift. And I really like this story. I'm biased. Yes, I wrote it. But I like the story, too. In the back of the book, there is a glossary that helps students who may be struggling to pronounce. There's a phonics pronunciation guide, as well as definitions for what some of the big words in the story mean. It's a book full of representation. It's about friendship. It highlights community. And truly finding your place in the world and finding your gift. Mm. And the reception that I've received all across our state and many other places, it's been wonderful to know that children from ages 2 to 92 love this story. It's been really awesome.
0: Lovely. I am just in awe of everything that you've been doing. So tell me what's next for the Academy and are you planning on any new books? Tell me, tell me, tell me what's next for you coming up here in 2023 and beyond?
1: Well, 23 is looking to be equally amazing. Of course, we always want to shatter our goals. So, yes, I am looking to release another book. That's all I can say about that. As far as the academy, we are growing the after-school program from working with the 12 students in a second cohort to expanding our offering since we now have our own location to some summer programming as well as some story times during the summer and expanding the middle school creative writing course as well. So I'm excited. We're all excited and just really pleased to see that ultimately the goal, students reading and reading well and loving books, that is a goal that's achievable.
0: Yes, and that is where we will end it. You've shared so many gems with us, and I know our audience definitely got something from this conversation. If they didn't, they were not listening because you dropped a lot of gems talking about emerging readers. And one of many things you said today is how we have to be careful to not betray a child's confidence because that's where really literacy starts is making sure that we make our children understand that they have what it takes to embrace literature. So thank you so much for joining us today, Abana. Again, where can our listeners learn more about you, the Academy and your books and just everything that you're doing?
1: Well, uh, the best place to go would be our website. The website is not only the home for Sankofa Literary Academy, but for everything under the umbrella of Sankofa Literary and Empowerment Group. And that is www.Abenasankofa.com. And if people are interested in learning more about Omari's Big Tree and The Mighty Djembe, it's available everywhere books are sold. And Kelly, I just appreciate you and North Liberty Library for having us back on. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Abna. And again, this is Kelly, and this has been Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast presented by the North Liberty Library. Today, we had the extreme pleasure of speaking with Avana and Motep about her organization, the Sankofa Literary Academy. Check out our show notes from today's episode to find out more about her work and resources. Also, please visit our website at northlibertylibrary.org for additional programming and services. Thanks for listening.